Scripture today is from the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. I'll begin at the ninth verse. Jesus is praying. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Holy Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be receptive to thee. O God, our strength and our redeemer, we pray. Amen. Jesus prays. You ever thought about that? You ever thought how odd that is in light of the things that we say about Jesus? We say in our Christian tradition that Jesus is God among us. All right, if Jesus is God among us, to whom does he pray? Does he pray to himself? But he addresses his prayer to Holy Father. And yet we come to believe that in praying, he is actually praying, he is fully human. So we kind of do theological gymnastics in order to figure out what this all means. And hours and hours has been spent and pages have been written over and over again over the course of the last 2,000 years to make sense of this idea that Jesus prays. Those who are cultural critics of Christianity say, well, that proves it. Jesus can't be God if he prays. And yet, knowing this tradition and knowing the power of understanding Jesus as God among us, we look through this account in the Gospel of John and elsewhere of Jesus praying, and we find in that a truth about the God with whom and to whom we pray. And that is this. God, Father, Mother, Maker, Creator, God, Son, sustainer, redeemer, God, Holy Spirit, comfort, power among us, 
and presence. The relationship of these three persons in the three in one, God three, yet one, God one, yet three, the relationship among the three united is a relationship of prayer. God relates to God's self through the dance of speech and prayer as a way of showing us and inviting us into the life of prayer. We first relate to the God we know three in one through prayer, not thought, not ideas, but the work and act and experience of prayer. And Jesus shows the way. Jesus prays. There is no prayer in Scripture more lengthy, more elaborate, more complex of Jesus than this prayer in John 17. And I will fully admit that through all of my years in ministry, as all the time that I've read this prayer, I'm finally willing to say to you today, I don't get it. This prayer seems to me to be all over the place. Read the whole chapter and you just find yourself puzzling. Okay, is it God? Okay, protecting God, one God, calling God, but God is there. Jesus is here. Jesus, we're God's people, we're Jesus' people, and it's... But when was the last time you prayed with and for someone who is dearest and closest to you? The ones who are dearest and closest to us are often the ones for whom we don't have some kind of coherent, perfectly sensible story and narrative. We know them so intimately and so dearly, and our love for them is so deep and real that our prayer is more like a kind of just expression. T.S. Eliot, when he says, these fragments have been shorn against my ruins, as though we shore fragments of thoughts and desires and yearning for those we love against the reality in which we live. So Jesus here teaches us to pray in just that way. Knowing his disciples, knowing those who followed him so closely, knowing them so dearly and wanting so much for them, right on the edge in this story, just before he turns toward Jerusalem, about to enter his deep suffering and death and execution and resurrection, before all of that happens, he pauses and he gives the love that he has for those who follow him back into prayer, trusting that the Spirit that is in him, the Spirit who is the Spirit of God, will make sense of all of these pieces. So when we pray for those we love so dearly, we ask God to make sense of our prayer. So as I look through the passage read in your hearing today, I don't get coherence. I don't have a simple story. I hear themes that raise themselves up for our consideration. The first of those is what I'll call the idea of the watershed that we walk as believers, as followers of Christ. We are, as Scripture says, in the world, but not of the world. 
The world that we live in is a difficult place. Even as it is a place of such joy and wonder and love. We know this just from the data of this one week, don't we? News continuing to come from Ukraine. Fires and drought and food shortages with millions at risk this very year. Palestinians and Israelis in yet another cycle of violence as we watch a funeral of a Palestinian journalist, a Christian who is well known to our mission partners in Bethlehem, who was shot while covering a military action on the West Bank. Economic uncertainty pervading the world. And just yesterday, Buffalo, New York. Buffalo, New York, how many more dead? And news of your own lives in secret places that you carry with you into worship. Joys as well as worries and sorrows given to God. In the life of faith, we walk a watershed between here and there between earth and paradise, between now and eternity, between reality and hope, between what is and what isn't yet, between what we are given to do in our lives and what we cannot do but entirely depend on God for, between what we see and what we cannot see, between, as Scripture says, flesh and and spirit breathing into faith breathing in faith even as we breathe out into life this is part of a long journey of faith that we walk and yet this watershed is present to us in every single moment we depend on a God who is eternal and distant in the heavens and yet who is closer to us than we are to ourselves, closer to you than you are to yourself. And as believers who walk this watershed with each other, we risk looking peculiar to the world around us, potentially misunderstood, sometimes opposed, and we often fall off the path ourselves, even becoming ourselves a source of the very sin that Jesus wants to guard us from as we walk this watershed. Yet the God who prays knows our names. And though the God who prays lets us be in all our silliness and in our slippery feet. The God who prays never actually leaves us alone and never actually abandons us and never actually gives up on us. Or, or may I say it in another way, never actually leaves you alone and never actually abandons you and never actually gives up on you. For the God who prays also protects. Another theme in this prayer read in your hearing. 
It comes up three times in those few verses alongside of the idea that Jesus guards his followers to protect. Now I want to suggest today that what we normally think of as protection is not the best translation of this word. We think of protect as keeping away, as pulling back, as setting up a wall. But protection here is more an idea of watching over, of walking alongside. To protect is to keep. The word is also used for keeping the commandments of God. We keep, we protect, we follow along and, gui- and are guided by even as we guide. Five years ago, I told you a brief story about the principal of my elementary school in Royal Oak, Michigan, Ralph Waldo Emerson Elementary School. I'm hoping because it was five minutes ago, you don't re- or five years ago, you don't remember the story. Because I want to tell you about him again. Because I don't know of any simpler way to describe this meaning of protection than to remember the now deceased Charles Cromar who had 425 kindergarten through sixth graders in his charge, a lot like Paul Rooker at Vacation Bible School. And his whole work around organizing our education and our our growing up was around this idea, I think, of protection. He helped us one by one, knowing us by name, to feel like we could do anything. I remember being asked to be part of a committee to plan a great big all-school celebration of the first Earth Day. We went down to the armory and we picked up face masks for the little play that we'd created and we decided to redesign the courtyard in the middle of the school around environmental themes just for that year, 1971 whatever fit, and we sat with him, and he helped us feel like we were doing something that made a difference in the world. We decided on some decorations that we wanted to have and had a little bake sale to pay for the things we were going to buy. My guess is that he wrote the check. My guess is that he ordered the little statue. But we felt like we did it all. And as he handed it to me to put it in its place... He protected, as he did for everyone. Not perfect, but a glimpse of how God also cares for us and protects us like a mother. We are not immune from suffering or the vagaries of life, but we are held and guided and brought alongside through it all as we walk this watershed so that we may live together without any sense that we are alone, without any fear for tomorrow, and with a sense of peace. A writer back from the 1960s named Howard Hageman put it this way in a sermon. It is possible, he wrote, that even in the contradictions and confusions of this life, to keep the center of your being calm and undisturbed. 
It is possible even in this life to go through the hellish situation after one after another with strength and confidence and spirit. It is possible to endure physical pain and suffering while the mind and heart are filled with peace and joy. That's what we mean by being in paradise even while we are still part of this earthly scene of chance and change. That is protection about our bodies and about our hearts and also about our minds. For that's what we celebrate later today when we think about the commitment of this very congregation to the highest quality and most thoughtful adult education and dialogue with the wider world as we can possibly muster with God's help, as a way not simply of knowing more, but as a way of being protected in truth as we walk the watershed of life. Not protected with something we know that others don't, but protected by a process of serious imagination and inquiry and learning so that God might be with us in all things. So that we might experience the third theme that comes out of this prayer, which is that of sending. Jesus sends his followers into the world, even as he has been sent. God with him as God with us. We are not just sent out to go about our business as ever we please. We are accompanied on the way. We are accompanied in the work of the gospel. We are accompanied by a spirit that protects and calls and identifies and addresses us by name and knows us better than we know ourselves and is closer to us than we are ourselves and reminds us that we are not alone and is our God praying with and for us, sent into the world to be agents of joy and justice and peace. To be sent is to be called without fear, without worry, without the need to accomplish. Instead, to live with gratitude and joy and fullness of spirit, with love and grace and open hearts, with patience and prayer and passion for God's providence and God's provision and God's power before all the other stuff that we're so constantly tempted to want and made to think that we need. The God who prays for us comes alongside us as a protecting parent loving us home. Jesus prays. He knows us individually and as a church. He is close to us. And I can't say it often enough. He calls us, protects us, and sends us in ways we could never do on our own. Jesus prays this prayer, then, now, and in every instant for all eternity. So take heart. Amen.